welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey Kingdom Culture family, I cannot believe this is the last Sunday of 2020. What a year. It's been nine months over nine months now that we've been online coming at you. It's been great. It's been challenging. I miss all of your faces, but we love love to see the comments. We love to see the engagement in the chat. I love to see the impact of how this is still impacting your world. We're believing that the Holy Spirit is going to cause you to end 2020 stronger than how you came into it in Jesus' name. Like I said at the beginning of this year, There is plenty in 20. This is the year of losing fear. And in this season, you're going to find your reason. I believe, at least for me and so many others that I've talked to, that we are living this truth, living these revelations out. It's an incredible, incredible thing. It's been hard, but it's been great. But my prayer today is that we would end 2020 with a word from God that would propel us, strengthen us, and get us ready for the next season, next calendar year season that we are moving towards in 2021. I just believe God's going to transform your thinking. God's going to encourage us today. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter word today, but I just believe God wants us to end, like I said, 2020 stronger than when we came in, opening our eyes and opening our hearts in Jesus' name. So we're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Faith is a foundation. Faith is a starting point that makes everything worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. I love that. It's all about faith is always connected, it seems, in Scripture to sight. And we're going to get there and go there in a little bit. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. I love that. The act of faith, the stepping out of faith, the moving of faith is what distinguished all of the what we call the heroes of faith in the hall of faith, distinguished them amongst everybody else. It set them above they're above the crowd. In other translations, like the New Living Translation, it would say it like this. Through their faith, speaking of the heroes of the faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. I don't know about you, but one of my life goals is that I would leave behind a good reputation. That's a part of legacy. Proverbs says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I want to leave a good reputation. I want to leave an inheritance. I want to leave something to be remembered by. I want to be someone 
that stands above the crowd because I'm living in faith. Not to say I'm better than anybody else, but faith does that. It distinguishes you above the crowd. It distinguishes you above what seems normal or what seems average. I don't want to be average in the kingdom. I want to be set apart. I want to be uh, and know who I am and whose I am in such a way that nothing stops my life purpose from being fulfilled. I want to ask you the question today, TCC, are you in the crowd or are you above the crowd? Because a life of faith elevates you above the crowd from what's ordinary into the extraordinary. To walk in faith is to see life the way he wants us to see. I said it a little bit earlier that faith is often connected to sight. And we're going to dive into this a little bit more, but I want to go to verse three of the same chapter in verse in chapter 11 says this, the Hebrew writer says this by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command at his word that what we see now or what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. To me, this is an invitation that if what we see in front of us, if what we see in front of us did not come or originate from anything that we see, it's an invitation to dive into learning how to see into the unseen, which is what faith is all about. Now, like I said, I'm going to dive a little bit more into this, but I'm just going to dive now a little bit into our story for this morning and into our topic. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, I'm going to be talking about Elijah. And we know Elijah was a great prophet, did incredible things, stood against the powers that be. Jezebel, King Ahab did some incredible supernatural signs and wonders, demonstrations of power, but yet he was human just like us, that, as, as James says. But I want to read it in 1 Kings chapter 17, give you a little bit of context. Elijah, who was from Tishba and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. There's going to be nothing. It's going to be a pandemic for the next three years. I'm not prophesying that we're going to be in this for three years, but this is what Elijah said. For the next three years, there'll be no rain. Now we fast forward, okay, over three years later in chapter 18, verse 1, later on in the third year of the drought, which he prophesied, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab and tell him that I will soon send rain. So this is sort of the context building into verse 41, which is where I want to go. So between verse 1 and 41, we have this showdown with Elijah and Jezebel, slaughtering over 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah, an incredible act. And we kind of know what happens afterwards. But right after this moment, he then hears a word from God that basically says and announces it's all going to ship. The rain is going to come. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41, it says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Now go eat and drink because a heavy rain is coming. A heavy rain is coming. A closure to one season. Verse 42, So King Ahab went to eat and drink. At the same time, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, where he bent down to the ground with his head between his knees. Then Elijah said to his servant, go and look. Once again, remember, faith is all about sight. He says, go and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked. I see nothing. 
using his natural. I see nothing, he said. Elijah told him to go and look again. This happened seven times. Verse 44, the seventh time the servant said, I see a small cloud the size of a human fist coming from the sea. Elijah told the servant, go to Ahab and tell him to get his chariot ready and go home now. Otherwise, the rain will stop him. After a short time, the sky was covered with dark clouds. The wind began to blow, and as soon and a, 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 sorry, and as soon and soon a heavy rain began to fall. Ahab got into his chariot and started back to Jezreel. The Lord gave his power to Elijah, who tightened his clothes around him and ran ahead of King Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I want to talk briefly today on the subject: faith keeps looking. Write that down. Faith keeps looking in seasons of transitions in seasons of hardship in seasons of challenge faith keeps looking they've been in a drought and elijah has a word from god that he's going to end the drought and yet there's still an act of faith that had to happen for elijah in relationship to his servant a servant he told his servant go and look go and look and i'm going to pray that when you go and look that you're going to see the sign that God is fulfilling the word that he spoke to me. And you're going to keep on looking until you see. I said it earlier that sight is connected to faith. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. I love it because Paul the Apostle wrote this to encourage the church at Corinth. We walk by faith, not by sight. So if faith is connected to sight, why would he say, we walk by faith, not by sight. He was talking about a natural sight. Now, Paul could say this and he could encourage this because in Acts chapter 9, Paul was riding on his horse towards Damascus. Towards Damascus, He was a murderer of Christians, persecuting the church, and yet God strikes him. He falls off his horse. He sees a great light. God speaks to him. He has an encounter with Jesus for the first time, the, the, the very Lord that he was persecuting, that's what he said, why are you persecuting me? It's me. And in that moment, he became blind for three days. Why is this important? Because Paul is encouraging the church now, years and years later, that we walk by faith, not by sight, because there was a time when I was struck off my horse, where I was blind to the things that were around me so I could be alive in sight to the things within me. I could see from my heart. I could see from within. I could see from the inside out, not from the outside in. This is what faith looks like. It's a different kind of sight. It's a different way of looking at our situations, our circumstances. When we see a pandemic, we don't just see challenge. We don't just see obstacle. We see opportunity. Why? Because the eyes of our understanding, which Paul also talked about in Ephesians, in the first two books of Ephesians, he prayed for the church that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to see who God is in our life. And so we would come into the knowledge of knowing him even more. Paul was well acquainted with what it looked like to walk by faith by a different sight, an internal sight, and be blind to the things around us, which is why it's so important. And I would say it like this. We need to fight for our sight in this season. Fight for that internal seeing in this season because when we see from the inside out, we walk by faith. That is the walk of faith. Faith is not a walk in the park, it's a walk in the dark. If you were to close your eyes right now, what do you see? Nothing. That's exactly what it feels like often to walk in faith. 
We see nothing. It feels dark. It feels confusing. It feels confusing at times. It feels uncertain. You're gonna, you don't know if you're gonna bump into this wall or bump into that wall or fall off the stairs if you're walking with your eyes closed. But as we get to know God, that's what it's like to walk with Him in faith. It's to walk with our eyes closed, so to speak, to all the things around us that would stop us from stepping out and walking in faith. And and we can often, you know, in, in a season where media is just coming at us so intensely. Media has this way of shrouding and veiling what it looks like to walk in faith. We're so fixed on all the things that are happening and we see all the things that are happening. And this is what's trying to rob us of really walking in faith in this season. In the darkest of times, it feels like for so many people, this is a season where God wants to turn on the eyes of your heart. Like Paul prayed in the beginning of Ephesians, the eyes of our heart would be turned on and we would begin to walk by a faith sight, not by an earthly sight. This happened to Peter when he got out of the boat of comfort and walked onto the water of discomfort. He walked on the water by faith until he got his eyes in the natural on the waves. That's when he began to sink. We begin to sink in life when our sight goes from Jesus to all the stuff around our life and our circumstances. That's when we begin to sink. The disciples had to go through this when they saw the lack of bread. Remember the story in Mark, in, in Mark and in many of the gospels where he fed, where the disciples actually fed, you know, 5,000 people, 4,000 people with a little bit of lo- a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. They had to see beyond the natural that if, even in these little bit of loaves, these, there was enough to feed the thousands, the multitudes. It happened to Timothy when he was a discouraged young pastor. He had to, to see past and fight for his ability to see what God wanted to do beyond all the pressures that were facing him. It's not easy to see a victory. It's not always easy to see a breakthrough or a healing. We can't always see how our business is going to ever make it out of the mess that it's in. But God is saying to, today, I believe this to all of us, look again. Because faith keeps looking. Faith keeps looking. I want to describe three seasons or situations in the short time we have today that we may be facing. That we may be facing right now as God turns on the eyes of our heart in faith. And as God begins to stretch our faith, as we begin to dive into the life or the storyline of Elijah found in 1 Kings chapter 18. Number one, the season you may be in or the situation you may be in, write this down, could be the test. Maybe you're being tested right now. Maybe there's something coming at you, a pressure. Let me just say it like this. Pressure only magnifies what's already inside of you. You get oil out of an olive howl by crushing it. The oil was always there. It was always within. Seasons of pressure just simply magnify what was always on the inside. The thing that I'm most thankful about in this season, this pandemic, and we've been now, I think it's like eight months online as a church community. Um, it's, it's been an incredible, the hardest of seasons and the greatest of seasons. But one of the things that I love about this season is it's revealed even a deeper layer of character. And I know that in seasons like this, we're refined, we're restored, we're made stronger. And that's exciting to me because I always want to be growing as a leader. I want to be growing as a human. And I know that you do too. But maybe you feel like you're in a test. Maybe you feel like you're under extreme pressure. Well, Elijah was too, because in in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, Elijah prophesied that there would be a drought for years to come. 
and then he's tested by his own word. And this is what happens often to us. We proclaim things. We encourage other people. We prophesy things. We say things. We, we make statements. And then we're tested by those very things. Elijah prophesies. The drought is coming. And then now he's without provision or so he feels. And God has to send. You see it in verse, cha- verse 4 of chapter 17. He's fed by the ravens. He's provided in a way that is so out of the box. I'm sure Elijah didn't think that as the one who prophesied the word of the drought, that he was going to be a victim or fall victim to the consequences of that word. But it's absolutely imperative that we are transformed by our very words. That the very things that we speak are transformation to our own life. And so this happened to Elijah throughout this season of over three years. He was being tested by his own word and maybe you're feeling that or it happened in mark 4 remember the story of the disciples in the boat jesus says he opens the whole scenario up with let's cross over to the other side what happens they get into a storm they forget that jesus said let's cross over they forget the objective they forget that this was the messiah talking they forget that and then in the storm they're scared for their life they're in fear All they can see is the storm. But Jesus, you know what he can see? He can see an opportunity for peace. When we see storms, Jesus sees an opportunity for peace. And his sleeping, his resting in the boat was simply a prophetic sign or a prophetic uh, symbol of the kind of rest and peace we are called to have and walk in during the storms of our life. He was trying to be an example for the disciples. They missed it because they got their eyes, once again, on the natural. They couldn't see into the spiritual. If they were looking at Jesus the way that he wanted them to look at him, they would have seen, wow, if he can sleep, so can we. So peace be still. But they missed it. They missed it. Their eyes were turned off. Let me read it. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, now eat and drink because a heavy rain is coming. So King Ahab went to eat and drink. At the same time, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel where he bent down to the ground with his head between his knees. Why is this important? Because he was being tested once again now with his own word. He prophesied that it was going to be a drought. He was tested. He prophesied that this the rain's going to come. He's being tested. He has to birth that word in prayer. He has to, through testing, through trial, he has to see this word come to pass. He's not just prophesying it, dropping it, and walking away. He's declaring it. He's speaking the promises of God, and yet he's tested by his own word and begins to pray. Puts his head between his knees and begins to pray. Maybe you feel like you're Elijah in this season. You started on a journey, but now you're being tested with everything that you started to say in the beginning of your journey, the plans you had, the promises. You thought you were going to be this great CEO of this great company and and you're still washing the floors and not where you want to be. And even though, you know, washing the floors is actually an amazing privilege because part of the journey of making it up and moving up the ladder in life in any area is doing things sometimes that you don't want to do. Not that washing floors is bad, but you get the premise of what I'm trying to say, that sometimes you got to do what you don't want to do to end up doing what you really want to do. It's part of the process, part of the test. I remember there was a story that, uh, one of my favorite stories, I was taking an exam. This was just like uh, several months ago. Maybe it was last year, actually. It was last year. And I was taking an exam, and it was a math-heavy exam. 
and I had a, I had a financial calculator that uh, had a brand new battery in it. It was a brand new calculator. And I'm in the midst of this exam. It's being monitored, of course. It's in a, you know, in a, an exam room with moderators, and I, and you can't have your phone. You can't keep anything out, of course. And so I have my car keys on the table, and I have my calculator, my pen and pencil, and I'm doing my exam. And I'm about to enter into the part of the exam which was super math heavy. Actually, the majority of the marks were very math heavy to pass the exam. And so I get into the math part, and my calculator dies. Now, I had memorized all these formulas on my camera, or sorry, on my calculator, that, that the one that I, ha I had purchased. So I, I didn't know how to use other calculators the same way that didn't have the same, you know, formatting tools and different, you know, buttons. So I had memorized how to use this calculator properly to get the answer that I needed to get from the equation that was being presented to me. And my battery dies. So I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out now. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fail. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to do this formula, uh, this way on another calculator. So I kind of put my hand up, got the moderator to come over. They offered me one of these like basic level calculators, which I could not do the equation on. I needed this calculator with the certain buttons on it to know how to get the answer. And so I thought to myself, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. So in that moment, I looked up to God. I looked up to God. Like I'm talking about today, faith keeps looking and I'm like, God, you got to give me something. You got to give me an answer. You got to give me a, like, give me a sign. Give me something. What do I do? I'm going to fail this exam. As I looked up to God, I continued to look and I, something caught my eye in the bottom of my right eye. I saw my keys on the table, my car keys, my remote. I thought to myself, what if there was a battery in that remote that is the exact same battery that my calculator needs? So I start fidgeting. The moderator's kind of like, what's going on? Is he cheating? Is he like, is, did he hide something in the remote? I open the remote up and it's the exact same battery that I need. I put the battery in and my calculator works and I ace the exam. Why do I share that story? Because sometimes in moments of crisis, when we're feeling like we're tested and we're in a test, literally, if you just look in the right direction, you will get the answer that you need to encourage you, to allow you, to enable you to overcome whatever challenge it is that you are facing. Keep looking, keep on looking. So faith keeps on looking in the test, but it also keeps on looking in the disappointment. Number two is the disappointment. The disappointment. This is the what I would call the I see nothing phase. Now let's go to chapter 18 of 1 Kings, verse 43. Then Elijah said to his servant, Go and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked. And it says here, I see nothing, he said. I see nothing. Elijah told him to go and look again because faith keeps on looking. This happened seven times. But in this moment, imagine not only what Elijah may be feeling, he prophesies this, has no idea how long it's going to take, how many looks it's going to take, but for the servant too, going up and down, looking, seeing nothing disappointed. Maybe you're in a season where you feel like not only are you being tested, but you're navigating a season of great disappointment. Something didn't happen the way that you thought it was going to happen. That promotion didn't happen. You lost your job. You lost your business. Something happened in one of the relationships that you held so dear to your life. Something is just not going the way that you thought. You are in the what I call the I see nothing 
phase. There's no evidence, no sign of breakthrough, no breadcrumb of confirmation. It feels like pure disappointment. Maybe you're in a season where you're not seeing any fruit or things just aren't working in your job or financially. We all go through seasons like this, seasons of the I see nothing. And it's in moments like this where people give up, people quit. They don't want to move through the I see nothing stage. It's too hard. It's too disappointing. Hard seasons are always heart seasons. Hard seasons are heart seasons. This is so encouraging, I think, when we're going through a hard season to see it as a heart season. God's expanding us. He's molding us. He's preparing us. I, I remember when we were, and I, I can tell you so many stories of I see nothing seasons of my life or seasons of big disappointment. And I want to say it like this, that disappointment usually is just, or, or breakthrough, sorry, is usually just around the corner of the greatest disappointments of our life. The greatest breakthroughs in life are just around the corner of some of the greatest disappointments in life. So keep on looking because you're almost there. I remember, you know, there was a season when, or a moment when years ago I was invited to speak in, in New York at this camp. And uh, it was about, I think about a seven or eight hour drive from where I, I was living at the time. And uh, I had at that time, three kids. I have four kids now, but I have three kids. And uh, I remember in this season or in this moment, sorry, I was, uh, you know, we were deciding whether we should go or not because I could not find my children's, uh, one of my ch children's passports, couldn't find it anywhere, couldn't find their birth certificate. And uh, I know that I needed, you know, the birth certificate and the passport. I needed the documentation to get over the border. I'd called border patrol and asked them, hey, is there any way I can get around it? You know, could I bring this? Could I bring my health card? Could I bring this? They said no. And uh, I mean, even the health cards as a child, they don't have a picture on them. So they said, no, you need to have the passport, birth certificate, the whole thing. I didn't have it. I couldn't find it. And yet I felt like I was called. I felt like I was called to go and speak at this camp. We had to make a decision really quick. Now it's like nine o'clock at night, 930 at night. Now we're going to be driving throughout the night with three kids. It wasn't the most ideal of situations. I felt disappointed. I felt like, God, you spoke to me. I'm supposed to go speak at this event. And now right when we, right before we're supposed to leave, this was like four o'clock at night, I can't find the passport. I can't find the what I need to get over the border. So now it's like nine o'clock at night. Now we're driving. I'm getting a little bit fearful, driving through the night with three kids, you know, under the age of four. And uh, and so we decided to chance it. I kept, I kept my faith up. I kept looking. I said, you know what? I have this health card and we're just going to go for it. We're just going to chance it. Even though they said it's impossible, we cannot accept a health card, especially with no picture on it. Well, guess what? We drove. We got through the border. They let us through. I don't know how it happened. And we ended up ministering. It was a powerful, powerful event. My encouragement to you is don't give up when you feel disappointed. Step out and watch what God does. I love what James 5, verse 17 to 18 says of Elijah. It says this, speaking of the same context that we're talking about. It says, Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. Let me encourage you that everything will start growing again. No matter what you feel, no matter how much disappointment, how much of nothing you see right now, lack of evidence of breakthrough and fruit in your life, Things will start growing again. Don't give in and don't 
give up. So we have the test, we have the disappointment, and now we have the sign, number three, the sign, write that down, the sign. Faith keeps on looking for the sign, number three. Even when we see a sign, it's easy to think it's not enough. It's easy to think it's too small. It's easy to think, well, you know, I just prophesied the end of a drought. It should be a big cloud. It should be a massive raging black cloud that covers the whole sky. How could a drought end by one little cloud? A cloud the size of a man's hand. But that's exactly what God prescribed. Let's read it in verse 44 of chapter 18 of 1 Kings. The seventh time. So after the servant had kept on looking in faith, kept on looking, kept on going back, on the seventh time the servant said, I see. I see. Once again, faith is always connected to our sight in the spirit. I see a small cloud the size of a human fist coming from the sea. Elijah told the servant, go to Ahab and tell him to get his chariots ready and go home now. Otherwise, the rain will stop him. How can Elijah believe that this one little sign, this little cloud is enough to end over a three-year three drought? How does that make any sense? Because the eyes of his faith were turned on. He could see that even though it was a small sign, it was what God needed. It was enough. It was like the disciples. Even though they had a little bit of bread, it was enough. Even though they had a little evidence that God it, it was beginning to fill his pro promise over our life or over their lives, they, they could begin to see that in this little evidence, something great could happen. It's like when Jesus likens the kingdom to a mustard seed, something so small when planted and believed in and watered and nourished can turn into something so great and so big. This was all Elijah needed to see even after his servant kept on looking. It was all Elijah needed to see to know that God was fulfilling his word. This may be what you're living right now. This may be what you're feeling right now in this season. You prayed. The answer is there, but it's not in the way that you thought. It's, it's a small breakthrough. The promotion isn't the promotion that you thought. It's a small breakthrough. But I wonder, in that small promotion, in that small breakthrough, could it be that the greatest of rainstorms is going to come out of that one little promotion, that one little breakthrough? Could it be that's one of the greatest obstacles of your life becoming the greatest opportunities of your future? Could it be? We see it in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Samuel the prophet, who's anointing the next king of Israel, taking the, 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 the throne literally from Saul. He's anointing the next king. He anoints David. In the beginning of that process, he thought it was the firstborn. Samuel the prophet thought it was the, the strongest. It was the loudest. It was the leader of the tribe of the sons of Jesse. And God rebukes Samuel and says, listen, man looks on the outside, but God looks a little bit deeper. Man looks on the outward, but God looks by the spirit into the inside. Faith looks differently than than anything else in our life. Faith looks like seeing through what is presented to us and seeing the opportunity when it doesn't make any sense. Faith is a walk in the dark, not a walk in the park. I want to encourage you this morning to ask God to pray that he would turn on the eyes of your heart. I can't tell you how many times where I looked at somebody and thought that there's no way 
that what God is saying to me is what they're called to. I can't, uh, it's almost like the, you look at this small cloud and say, there's no way that this small cloud can produce this much rain to end an over three and a half year drought. There's no way. I remember a time I was speaking at a conference and there was this, this man, and I'm going to close with this, this man who I had a word for. I felt like wealth was all over them. God spoke to me about the wealth that was not only all over him, but that would also come out of him in the future. And I saw it so clearly and I prophesied over him in front of the whole uh, auditorium. It was a powerful, powerful world. You could tell he was kind of receiving it, but maybe uh, uh, just kind of wrestling with it a little bit. I don't know. It just kind of looked like it was bang on, but yet at the same time, I wasn't totally sure. At the end of the, the meeting, he came and talked to me, and man, I judged this individual hard. I thought there's no way this guy is a multi, multi, multi millionaire. There's no way. I just judged him, kind of like what Samuel did. I was looking at the appearance. I was judging by the outside, which I feel like we all fall victim to. I think we all judge without even knowing it. Man will always judge the outside, but it's God who looks at the heart. Man, I pray every day, God, give me the eyes of, of understanding. Give me the eyes of your spirit to see like you see, not like as I see, but as you see, because I don't want to walk by sight. I want to walk by faith. I don't want to walk by the wrong sight. I want to walk by, walk by the right sight. And after I began to talk to him, I felt like I missed the word. But the encouraging thing was is that God rebuked me through an encouragement, actually, of somebody that knew him later on that night and said, you have no idea who you just spoke over. That guy is one of the wealthiest people in this whole region. And I thought to myself, wow, man, I failed that one. I judged this guy. I repented, of course. I felt so bad. But this is just humanity, my humanity at work here. And I'm thankful because God encouraged me in that moment to continue to fight for my sight, even when it comes to those around me. I want to encourage you today to keep on looking in this season. We have three things, three things that test our ability to keep looking in life. It's the test, the disappointment, and the sign. Kingdom culture, I want to encourage us as we close 2020. And like I said in the beginning, we've been online now for over nine months. It takes nine months to birth a baby. I think we've birthed a lot of babies in this season, praying that we have lived out this brand over our season that's quarantined for revival. My prayer still to this day as we close out 2020 is that whatever you've been quarantined for in whatever area that God wants to revive, that you'd begin to see it for what it is, that you begin to see and experience that revival, birth that spiritual baby, whatever the case may be for you. My prayer is that we would end 2020 revived, ready to launch and jump into the year 2021. Do we know how it's going to go down? Do we know what's going to happen from here? I don't know, but we're going to continue to gather as a church online. We're going to continue to meet. We're going to continue to wrestle through what the next steps look like. Pray with us. We're believing with you. Let's believe that as we close 2020, we will get a new sense of strength to keep on looking when it seems impossible. Even though we feel tested, even though we feel disappointed, even though there's little signs everywhere that maybe aren't enough for us, that we would see with eyes of the Spirit, <clears throat> that we would not walk by sight in the natural, but we'd walk by faith, which is sight in the spiritual. God, I pray that today, God, you would continue to open our eyes to see that in hindsight, all that's happened 
in this past season was preparation for something great, that we've been quarantined for revival, that we've been stretched, that we've been challenged, that we've been um, oppressed on all sides, but it's all to produce something powerful in our life, that our character is being refined, that we are being refined like gold, that the ore of the, the, the rock, the ore of our heart is, is, is being like uh, refined in such a way that the metals, the gold, the silver are being extracted from our life metaphorically. God, I pray that you would allow us to see like you do in this season, that we would be able to say, man, we walked in this season, not by sight, but by faith, a faith that sees what God is doing in the midst of all the, the stuff that maybe is trying to shroud or veil what God is doing, that we would see what God is doing. We would see it clearly in Jesus' name, God. We declare that 2021 would be a better year, a bigger year, a greater year in all aspects. 2020 was great, but God, I pray that this coming year would be even greater in Jesus' name. God, encourage the Kingdom Culture family. Encourage those that are watching for the first time. I pray that maybe if you're watching and you've never said yes to Jesus, that this would be your time. This would be your day. Maybe you landed on here by accident. There's no better time than to end a year saying yes to Jesus, yes to relationship. You have nothing to lose, but everything to gain. It says in Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Today is your day. I want to encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Open up your heart. Receive that forgiveness that he paid for for over 2,000 years ago. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. It's the best decision you will ever make in your life. 2020, we say goodbye to you. And 2021, we say hello. We will see you, Kingdom Culture, in the new year. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing Happy New Year from the whole Gaby tribe and the whole Kingdom Culture family. We love you and can't wait to see you next week.